Welcome to Vape Village, the podcast for the Victorian Association for the Teaching of English. My name's Ernest Price and I'm the Education Officer at Vape. This is another episode previewing our state conference. I recorded these episodes on the lands of the Wurundjeri and Boomerang people of the Kulin Nation. I'd like to pay my respects to Elders past and present. I'll launch right in now to my interview with Kate Blanford, who is the Director of English at Hoppers Crossing Secondary College. She spoke to me about the leadership stream, which will be running at the state conference on Saturday, October the 3rd. Hello and welcome to this special episode of the Vape Village. Uh, we are previewing some of the sessions running at Vape's 2020 State Conference. And I'm very lucky to have Kate Blanford here from Hoppers Crossing Secondary College, uh, Director of English. Is that your full title? Good. That is yes. um, because I decided interviewing myself about the workshop I'm running was possibly taking it a step too far, even for quarantine. So um, Kate's here very kindly talking with me about the leadership sessions that we are running on the Saturday, October 3rd for conference. Um, we'll just let you know at the start of the video, everybody, that if you hear screaming in the background, it is Kate's very uh, well-occupied working-from-home children. Um, I think it will be a very familiar phenomenon for many people listening to this today. So, Kate, um, I guess I've had a lot of conversations. I've been pestering you via email and text to, to sort of follow how you've been going um, throughout this whole period and this year and pestering a lot of other people I know leading English departments around the state and two sort of central themes were really distilled for me by the by the time I had to propose a session for conference and the first one was that I think it was important to just give English faculty leaders a space to discuss the lessons of of this year um, so the first session of um, this stream at conference will be focused on that on, on what we think we can take away from um, from this experience once we get a chance to actually step back and breathe. What, are, what have been the lessons for you this year um, in a very sort of bizarre year that's not over either? Um, that's a great point. Who knows where we'll be by the time the conference rolls around. Um, I guess, I don't think fortunate is ever the word we want to use to describe the situation we're in at the moment, but certainly having two iterations of remote learning mm -hmm. um, really gave us a chance to perhaps stop and evaluate lessons learned from Mark 1 and um, try some different things in Mark mm -hmm. 2. So um, having a space to reflect on that, I think, will be really, really um, powerful. Imagine if we were to continue into Term 4 or a, a third version of this, um, you know, surely things can only get better while the rest of the world gets worse. I don't know. Um, so I guess that opportunity ref for reflection and for slowing down and I guess thinking about what is working and what isn't, you know, on the one hand, we're busier than ever, but on the other hand, we seem to have more space to reflect. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think one of the things I've been thinking about a lot, and this uh, came up in a, a Melbourne Uni uh, webinar that the School of Education ran, uh, ran I can't speak anymore, um, around this idea that I guess being an English leader or any kind of leader really in a school setting, you get told no quite frequently. Um, and, you know, you're dealing with established structures and, and ways of being. And that one of the perhaps interesting lessons of this year is that actually things can change um, radically and completely um, when they need to. So I think that's a really interesting thing. You know, next time um, leaders are going and asking administrations for certain certain changes, whether it's to curriculum or allotments or anything like that, there's actually this huge body of evidence now that, you know, your faculty, your teaching staff are incredibly flexible and adaptable. Um, oh, not that absolutely. we haven't made mistakes, but... 
there's been more innovation going on in, in certainly in my school and I'm sure in every school um, than I would have ever in my wildest dreams thought possible. Um, and it's very interesting to see, I guess, the dynamics between, you know, teachers of 30, 40 years experience and what they bring to this space, um, what graduate teachers bring to this space. You know, I really feel for our grads. We've got quite a few in our department this year and welcome to the world of education. You know, if you can survive this, surely you can survive anything. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think you're right. It's going to be a real matter of stopping and thinking about what worked and maybe the reasons for why it worked and how we can translate back into a, a more traditional classroom setting and which things we can leave behind that are no good and that weren't working for us and won't continue to work for us in the future. Absolutely. And I think having that, that discussion as well about what is absolutely essential. I know before I hit record, you and I were discussing um, you know, issues around workload for students and, and what students are actually engaging with while they're at home. Um, and just some really interesting questions then about what we consider essential in our curriculum in the skills that we're teaching young people. Um, so I'm hoping all of this and more will come out of this session at conference. I'd really like to provide a space for people to share some of those lessons and, and possibly for us to, to form some networks going forward um, between different leaders at different schools uh, who have these experiences to share. I think obviously there are some really big questions, um, you know, questions that have been around for a long time about the way that senior English is structured, high stakes examinations, all of that. Um, but those questions again have only become more urgent um, this year. So I think it'd be, it'd be really interesting to hear from people's experiences around the state um, the last thing that I'm sure we will have to discuss in that session will be some of the implications um, for us going forward about delays to the study design um, being rewritten, etc. And, and what those implications might be for you as a leader um, and working with your staff. The second session, and you and I, again, uh, when we worked together, this was sort of the, the centre of our lives in many ways, um, is going to be focused around leading in the age of data. And... Again, before we hit record, you had a very interesting observation. Uh, I don't know if, if I'm putting you on the spot asking you to repeat yourself. But... <laughs> well, I'll certainly do my best. Um, I guess, you know, just even the title of this workshop of data-led leadership in the absence of our two core, well, our core data set, I guess, in um, the sense of NAPLAN is something that, you know, AIPs and, and SSRs and so forth are based around that data. The absence of data, I think, will mm -hmm. be interesting. And then we have the, the variability and I guess the, the challenges around the VCD data sets and what they're going to look like from this year. So I think it's really exciting time because I think you and I would agree that there's a lot more data out there than just those two data sets. So it's again, giving us a good opportunity to, to explore that further perhaps. Absolutely. And I think, again, in the evolution of that conversation around data, some of the uh, rich data sources, um, and it's really interesting to, to see the light shone back on teacher judgment um, as a, as a <laughs> result of this yeah. um, entire situation we find ourselves in. So I think, again, um, I really want um, to provide a space at the conference for leaders to discuss what some of those other data sources might be, what the implement, implications may be for their teams, um, because I know a lot of professional learning programs, et cetera, are really driven by, for example, the VCE data set. Um, and as you say, those um, higher order sort of governing documents in a school. So I think, again, a really exciting time to have the conversation with leaders who are, I guess, often held to account by some very narrow data sets. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I think, you know, obviously troubling time, but really exciting um, possibility to have that conversation now. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much for indulging me and um, 
fleshing out some of these issues. I really would love to see as many leaders as possible. You don't have to have a formal leadership position um, to come along to these sessions at State Conference. They'll all be online um, and you can sign up by visiting the VATE website. The online sessions are running live on the Saturday uh, morning and afternoon on October the 3rd. So send me an email if you've got any questions or, or jump on the website and sign up. Thank you again, Kate. Thanks, Ernest. Thank you once again to Kate Blanford, Director of English at Hoppers Crossing Secondary College for taking time out of full-time work and parenting in order to give us an insight into what it has been like to lead an English faculty this year. Next up is my conversation with Seamus Kavanagh. Seamus is a graduate teacher uh, and he spoke to me about the early careers stream which we'll be running at conference. Hello, Vate Village, and welcome to another special edition of the podcast where we're previewing our state conference sessions for this year. In this episode, I'm again previewing some sessions I am facilitating, this time for early career teachers. So I've roped in uh, an early career teacher in the flesh, well, the remote flesh, Seamus Kavanagh from Richmond High School. How are you? I'm good, thank you, Ernest. How are you? I'm well. Thank you for being my, uh, I don't know what the term is, my guinea pig, not really. Um, but... These sessions are all about giving early career teachers a chance to have a discussion and network with uh, their contemporaries um, because it's obviously a really unique experience starting your teaching career. The first session uh, in the stream will be focusing on what it has been like to be an early career teacher in 2020, um, the uh, unprecedented 2020 as it keeps getting called. What has it been like for you? Uh, it's been interesting. So just for some context, I'm the earliest of early career teachers. So I'm in my graduate year. So for me, it's been yeah, very formative time. Uh, it's been very, yeah, it's been different, obviously, than what I had expected going in. It's had lots of different challenges, lots of different opportunities. Overall, I feel like I'm really hitting um, my stride now. I feel far more comfortable both with online learning platforms and um, interacting with staff and students so getting there but definitely an interesting year overall I would say <laughs> and it's really hard because obviously it's uh, you can't compare it to any other to starting teaching mm. in any other year I mean this this time of the year term three really is the time often when graduate teachers start to feel a little more comfortable in their skin yeah. um, is there something that you think has been really beneficial about starting this year something that you know some opportunity that you've had in this context that you might not have otherwise had um, great question. I think uh, a couple of things. First of all, I think just online learning in general has made so many, it's forced us to make changes and be innovative and different and a little bit outside of the box thinking. So for me as a first year teacher, it's been so useful, so beneficial to see all those different platforms and um, ways that other teachers think laterally or tangentially and come up with all these interesting and cool ideas to engage kids online. So that's been really good. And then probably the second one is because it was quite different and because of all these changes and shifts, I feel like I've been given more voice, maybe potentially an agency than would have been possible in a normal year where more things are laid out in their kind of not traditional, but in a structured sense already there. So I think in that regard, it's probably given me more of a voice to kind of, put my own footprint or fingerprints onto the lessons and the learning. 
Absolutely. I promise I didn't uh, structure this conversation this way. The, this, the byline is actually of the session is establishing your teaching voice during a global pandemic. Oh, so there you go. <laughs> I did, I, I did wonder, I guess, thinking about what it must be like to be, to be in your shoes at the moment mm. um, about, you know, the fact that the pandemic has kind of acted as a leveler um, in many schools and that obviously there's a need for everyone to have that voice and to have that, make that contribution um, during some of the huge changes that have had to be made this year. So it's really interesting to hear that. Mm. Is there something that's been particularly challenging about this year in terms of, I guess, finding that sense of self and that confidence um, as you've gone through the year? Well, I think for me personally, I'm not sure, I think maybe others will maybe uh, relate to this, but my big goal was classroom management, behaviour mm -hmm. management mm -hmm. going in to really kind of focus and hone, on, hone in on those skills. So I got a term's worth, which was good <laughs> the first term, but then since then it's been a whole new side of it. It's still a thing and still relevant, but uh, it's, I wasn't able to kind of focus on that as I would, would have liked. <laughs> It's funny, I still get those butterflies every at the start of every teaching year about whether or not I'm going to be actually able to hold a presence in the classroom. Um, and obviously that was way more the case um, at the start of my career than it mm. is now. So I can imagine um, it, is, it is just such an odd circumstance to find yourself in. Um, and we were talking before I started recording about the experience of some of our colleagues who are still at university and uh, having that experience of remote teaching for their practicums, which again is another layer of complexity for them. Um, and I think, you know, often you come out of university and teacher education feeling quite confident with your theoretical base um, mm. and your capacity to engage with adults. But it is that. Um, I guess that final frontier of the classroom that would be really interesting. Well, I'm, I'm really hoping that um, we get some early career teachers along to this session to have some of these conversations and reflect on some of their experiences um, during this year. The second session in the stream is going to be focusing on what I think um, really comes through quite heavily when we talk to early career teachers at VAID, and that's how to balance the workload um, of assessment and feedback and how to make sure that Number one, you're confident with the judgments you're making with student work, but secondly, that you stay on top of that um, workload. Have you found the process of, of settling in as the sole, the sole assessor for students this year? Um, it's, been, it's been pretty good. I'll, maybe I'll talk to it as pre-pandemic and post, <laughs> well, not post, but during. Um, so beforehand, I quite liked it, um, kind of having a sense of yeah, ownership of kind of how I wanted to go about the learning tasks and the assessment. Um, and also within that as well, like moderating or asking for help from other staff uh, throughout the process as well. But um, being able to kind of give feedback, both against maybe a developmental rubric, so I'm taking a lot of the language from there, but also being able to give some general feedback as well, based on the knowledge of the student, I found. Mm -hmm. um, like you, you can see the results and then react to it as well. A lot of the time, what I like to do is get them to reword my feedback. I actually learned this from you and uh, <laughs> to re reword the feedback and um, come up with one area for improvement and one thing that um, they did well, and then submit that back to me to see that they've actually understood it. And uh, that was really rewarding because you can see change um, in their next tasks. And then um, during COVID and online remote teaching and learning. Uh, it's actually in a way being able to provide more feedback and mm -hmm. more feedback at formative assessment tasks mm -hmm. and throughout the learning sequences rather than just at the very end, because a lot of the time we're using Google Classroom 
any task they submit, I can leave a comment on at any point, um, mm -hmm. small, large related to the rubric or just a kind of attitudinal great job. Well done. Good <laughs> so it's actually giving me a chance probably to give more feedback than I could probably give in a classroom actually, because I have more time to access those things. And I think what's really coming through in your discussion there as well is the sense of, I guess, the relationship with the student and the way that that is at the center of how you go about assessing and providing mm. feedback. And I think there are obviously all sorts of um, challenges to those relationships when you're working remotely, but also, as you've said, some real strengths. Um, and I think it would be really interesting for us to discuss, uh, hopefully in this session, um, what some of those practices of remote teaching and learning may have changed about our assessment uh, processes um, and the way we actually engage with students in an ongoing sense. And I imagine that'll be a live conversation um, when we get back into schools at the end of remote teaching and learning. Uh, what an incredible year to start your teaching career, Seamus. I think it's, um, you know, the the many jokes about the use of the word unprecedented. And I think every time a teacher starts their career, it feels revolutionary um, because it's such a, a crazy job um, for better and for worse. Um, but this year truly has been something else. So yeah. we're glad to have you in the profession. Thank you for joining me today um, as part of this discussion. I really encourage people to come along to the VAIT uh, State Conference. You can have a look on the VAIT website and sign up for the workshops on Saturday, October the 3rd, uh, or have a look at the program for Saturday, October the 4th, oh, sorry, Sunday, October the 4th. Seamus, I know you're part of one of the uh, sessions with Annabelle Barton, the head of English at Richmond High School, that people can access online. It's a great uh, package of, I think there are 68 workshops and presentations that will be there for you to access from the end of the year through to um, through to the beginning of next year. What's your workshop about, Seamus? Uh, creative writing and creative writing units, both at, in remote learning one and remote learning two. <laughs> awesome. So sign up for the conference, get access to Seamus's workshop. And if you're an early career teacher, please come along on the Saturday, October the 3rd. Thanks so much, Seamus. Thanks, Seamus. Thank you again to both Seamus and Kate in uh, for the generosity in speaking with me for this episode. Uh, those streams for leaders and early career teachers, I think are gonna provide a really great opportunity for those members of FATE to connect with each other and share their experiences. Please jump on the website and register for State Conference. There is a jam-packed virtual program for you to engage with. Um, so many online workshops, including the one that Seamus has produced with Annabelle Barton, the head of English at Richmond High School. Um, there are 68 sessions that you can access um, and you will have extended access to that program as well um, for you and hopefully for your faculty as well. So jump on the website, uh, register, get in touch with me if you've got any questions. My email address is educationofficer at fate.org.au. Stay safe and we'll talk again soon.